Hello, everyone, and welcome back to EpiCentral. I'm your host, Maddie Lewis, infectious disease epidemiologist, and today we're talking about choosing a specialty in epidemiology. So for anybody who's unaware, epidemiology does have specialties. Now, often you might not see them referred to as specialties, but rather types of epidemiologists or areas or concentrations. Some specialties are very similar or have a lot of overlap with each other, while others are vastly different from one another. Specialties or areas of epi are unlike medical specialties. I'm sure everybody listening to this knows that in medicine, you have to apply and be accepted into a residency program, and the type of residency program is what your specialty is. So if you graduate with your MD, you get a dermatology residency, then you become a dermatologist, and that's your specialty. And in medicine, you essentially have to stick within that specialty for the remainder of your career. If you want to change, you either have to do a different residency program or some kind of fellowship to further specialize. Epidemiology is very different. We don't have boards exams or anything like that. The specialties are a lot less well-defined compared to medicine. And of course, you don't have to go into a program or fellowship to practice within a specialty. You can simply apply for a job in that area or in that specialty, and then if you get the job, then now you work in that field. Now you work in that specialty. You can change specialties whenever you want. Right now, I'm an infectious disease epidemiologist, but tomorrow I could become a chronic disease epidemiologist if I wanted to. I would just have to apply to a job in chronic disease epi. Another thing to know is that you don't really have to pick anything. When you're ready to apply for jobs, you can simply apply to whatever jobs sound good or sound fun for you. However, some people do have an area or specialty in which they would like to exclusively work. So you can pick one or you can pick multiple, but you don't have to. You can have the mindset like what I had when I was applying to jobs, where I said, you know, I'm open to anything that's not too environmentally focused or occupational or injury, those areas that I was less interested in. But everything else I was basically interested in, so I was willing to apply to if I found a job in that area. You can also use this information in this episode to exclude areas you don't think you want to work in or to think of ideas of specialties you might want to work in. Because again, There's not a lot of information about epidemiology on the internet, which is part of the reason why I made EpiCentral. And so you can kind of use this to start brainstorming ideas of areas that you might want to work in as an epidemiologist. But quick disclaimer, this list is not exhaustive or exact. These areas are not always well-defined, and it's kind of subjective what falls into what area. There's no particular order that I'm going to go in to explain these 10 specialties. Let's get into it. So specialty number one, there is disaster epidemiology or emergency injury epidemiology. According to CDC, quote, disaster epidemiology is the use of epi to assess short and long-term adverse health effects of disasters and to predict consequences of future disasters. And according to CSTE, the goal is usually to give decision makers quick and accurate data so that they can make moves. 
Abbeys who work in this area do a lot of prevention and planning as well. A reminder that disasters can mean different things. This could be natural disasters like tornadoes or hurricanes, or it could be some kind of chemical event, nuclear event, explosives, etc. This specialty can be lumped in with emergency preparedness, and it can include things like attacks, mass shootings, and other scary stuff that I hate thinking about. And in the time of COVID, this may include pandemics or other significant events. Although typically with disease outbreaks, that is left to infectious disease epis, but COVID is so overwhelming that it's essentially a disaster in its own right. Another outbreak that resulted in disaster type conditions was something like Ebola, where a lot of physicians were actually deployed to respond to that in, in Africa. Honestly, I know very little about this type of epi, and I'm going to say that a lot in this podcast. I've mainly just been in infectious disease epi, and it wasn't easiest for me to find information on all of these, so I won't be getting into too many details. This should give you a good summary of each type of specialty. I will say it's reasonable to expect that perhaps jobs in this area of emergency epi will begin to increase over the next couple of decades as we will experience more and more effects of climate change. And in a lot of places, it looks like there will be more unpredictable, unusual weather patterns. So I do think this type of epi will become more common. I also will say this field seems to be a pretty interdisciplinary. A lot of these are, so I doubt you will need to concentrate in this specific area in epi. If you're just interested in epidemiology in general, or if you concentrate in environmental epi, environmental public health, then that might be a good option because not all programs are going to have this type of specialty or like certificate um, to be able to participate in. Some opportunities in this field that that I could find from a little Google searching. If you're an undergrad, you could volunteer. There are volunteer programs and internships you can do. So you might want to look at organizations similar to like Red Cross, Doctors Without Borders, MSF, who do that type of work and can see opportunities that they have. If you're an MPH student already, You can check if your school has a student outbreak and response team. Those are pretty common at schools of public health. They do some disaster epi type work. And there are also O-RISE fellowships in this area for students as well. If you're an epidemiologist already, CDC has a fellowship called Public Health Emergency Management Fellowship, or PHEM, and it's targeted toward mid-career professionals. Okay, let's talk about specialty number two, chronic disease epi. Chronic disease epi is a little self-explanatory if you know what chronic disease is. Think of conditions such as heart disease, mental health, or cancer. Epis who work in chronic disease can work in a variety of areas, including health departments. However, from my knowledge, it seems like majority of this work is done within academic research, so for research organizations or universities. There are also large organizations who conduct research in chronic disease epi, such as American Cancer Society, Kaiser, American Heart Association, MD Anderson, Mayo Clinic, and many more. And then, of course, uh, research at universities as well. I'm less familiar when it comes to epi jobs in this field, in the field of mental health specifically, but I can only hope that that field will get more attention as we go along with time because It is so needed and mental health is such a fast growing issue. But unfortunately, I don't think chronic disease epi really gets enough attention or funding. 
Specifically, autoimmune conditions and mental health, I think, are two areas that are really underfunded and um, undervalued, even though they seem to be becoming bigger and bigger issues in this country. Okay, specialty number three, infectious disease epi. This area is very exciting. It does get a lot more attention. Even before COVID, it seemed like a lot more funding was put towards ID epi versus other areas, but it is still very underfunded across the U.S. in general. You can sort through infectious disease epi further by categorizing types of diseases. So, for example, there's foodborne infectious disease epi, which are often spread through, of course, food items. Often work in this area involves case investigation. I did this when I was getting my MPH when I was a student. That's where you will typically call patients and interview them about their symptoms and what they ate before they got sick, ask about high-risk food, uh, like undercooked foods or raw food, raw meat, raw seafood, etc., a really interesting part of foodborne disease is outbreak investigation, which is different than case investigation. That's when you're trying to understand what pathogen made everybody sick, what foods were contaminated, why did this happen, was it a bad sanitation at the restaurant, or was it something that went wrong on the farm or the processing plant? Yeah, it is. this area is all very exciting and Outbreak investigation is just a lot more exciting than a lot of areas of epi, in my opinion. There's also bacteria, which I work in right now. There's also bacteria, which I work in right now. I work in doing surveillance for Staph aureus, and I will be working on other bacteria at some point, like group B strep, group A strep, strep pneumo, H flu, and others. I feel like this area is kind of niche, so I'm not going to go further into that. There is respiratory and viral flu. There is also respiratory viral, respiratory viral flu, COVID, RSV, that type of work. So like respiratory viruses. And this area is definitely really growing with COVID. I know at my work, half of the employees are just the viral team. Personally, I can't fathom not only living through this pandemic, but also working in COVID 40 hours a week and then going to make TikToks about it and whatnot. That's just a lot for me. I've talked to several students who feel the same way. They're like, I don't want to work in COVID. That's way too much COVID in my life. So, uh, but it is very needed. And shout out to the people who do work in COVID because you guys are the heroes. Another area is vaccine preventable diseases like measles, mumps, rubella, and chickenpox. I don't have much to say about this area. Um, there's also zoonotic and vector-borne, and this area is cool because there are also veterinarians and entomologists who work on this type of thing. Entomologists, by the way, are insect or bug experts. Those people are honestly really cool and really important in public health. Everybody go follow at Entomology Abby on TikTok. She's really good and uh, really cool. She just got a Vlogbrothers sponsorship from Hank and John Green. They reached out to her and were like, we love your content. Here's the sponsorship. So I thought that was really cool. Okay, specialty number four is environmental epi. This area focuses on environmental exposures like air, water, soil, and food. One of the first jobs that comes to mind in this field is restaurant health inspectors and pool inspectors, which a lot of health departments do hire. 
but often you can get this job without a master's degree. So look into that if you want to work for a couple years before getting your MPH to become an EPI. That would be a good job to do kind of in between. From what I've learned in environmental EPI, it seems like a lot of the work is focused on causation and effect, which I think is super interesting. The study of causation in EPI methods is really, really interesting. So basically, how do these exposures affect human health? That's a lot of what environmental health is. These exposures, again, are things like pollution, pesticides, hormone disruptors, ingredients in products and plastics, as well as poisons. When I was applying to jobs, I realized that there are a lot of environmental epi jobs within the military and within the U.S. Public Health Service. So if you kind of want to go for those careers, then keep that in mind. Otherwise, this is a specialty I will definitely be interviewing people on for the podcast because it is so different than infectious disease, or at least it seems like it is. Specialty number five field epi. I don't have too much to say about field epi. Field epi is basically like outbreak response epi, so there is a lot of overlap with infectious disease. But in this type of epi, it's specifically very like boots on the ground, disease cowboy, urgent response to public health issues, where you're really like going in and physically investigating an outbreak. My friend on TikTok named at Snack Packs Epi. He's a field epidemiologist and he makes really great videos and it looks like I will be interviewing him really soon for this podcast so look out for that in a couple weeks. I absolutely can't wait to interview him because he has the craziest stories you guys. Check out his TikTok page. He talks a little bit about those. He's investigated really crazy outbreaks like anthrax and Q fever, Ebola, I think, Japanese encephalitis, like crazy stuff he talks about on his page. And he has really great insights to COVID as well. So that's field epi. Number six is genetic or molecular epi. That focuses on the relationship between genetics and the environment and health. Some of this work is actually lab research. So if you're interested in doing like where you're in a lab lab, then this might be an area you might want to consider. A lot of it is research outside of labs as well. For example, if you're interested in bioinformatics, that's where you use computer software to look at like DNA information, store it, analyze DNA. But yeah, a lot of the work in genetic epi, I think, is just research-based. I mean, I don't know what else you could do besides research in this field. (laughs) Okay, number seven, nutrition epi. I don't know how people work in this field because the research I find very frustrating. It's so important. I'm not trying to discourage anyone. It's just that, like, nutrition research seems really hard to, to get right and... I don't know. I think we've struggled for decades to do good nutrition research, but it is a really important field. And if you have a background in like dietetics or nutrition or anything like that, that would be really good. And again, a lot of this, of course, is research-based. And then there's pharmaceutical epidemiology. That field pays a lot more money if you're working in big pharma, which you probably would be working And it can be a little bit more competitive, but it's totally possible to get entry-level jobs in 
in pharmaceutical epi, but I would expect more hiring to take place with either career, mid-career epis, or just people with a little bit of experience, like three to five years of experience. They do hire a lot of PhD scientists as well, but they, but big pharma does also hire people with like MPHs. So they, they can kind of hire anybody, but yeah, it is a lot easier to get a job if you have experience and if you have your PhD. That field, you're doing a lot of research and it pays really well. Then there is number nine, social epidemiology. And in social epi, you're looking a lot at the social determinants of health, which are like the social factors that can influence someone's health or the health of the community. Think of things like racism, income, housing, your access to food, access to public transit, access to parks and green spaces, and so much more. Social epidemiologists, I think, typically are conducting research like a lot of these fields are, and they're really interesting. And it's very interdisciplinary because you can research the social determinants of like breast cancer or heart disease or even the social determinants of becoming sick from infectious diseases like tuberculosis. So it can be very interdisciplinary, or you can just see how it affects general health. So um, I did find there is a social epidemiologist on TikTok. Let me find her name. Okay, I found her name. It's at Dr. Britt Butler. I think she started consistently making TikToks about social epi, and she's a PhD in PH. And yeah, I think she's really cool from the videos I've seen from her. Definitely going to be reaching out to her at some point to see if she wants to be on the podcast. Um, and yeah, so check her out if you're interested in social epi. Maybe you could message her or comment if you're interested, get connected with people in the field. Um, yeah, I think that's a great idea to like, if you find people on social media or on LinkedIn or whatever, never be afraid to reach out because worst comes to worst is they just don't answer and that's fine. But best case scenario, like you make a connection in the type of field you're interested in. Okay, and lastly, number 10 is clinical medical or clinical research type of epi. So typically, clinical epidemiologists or medical epis are physicians or yeah, they're usually physicians, although I'm sure some might be PhDs, but those titles are usually reserved for MDs and DOs who work in epidemiology. And there are a lot of people who do, who have their MD, like a, a significant amount of people who work at CDC, for example, are physicians. Um, and that's because they have, they just have a lot more experience and they have that one-on-one individual patient knowledge and a lot of times, like in my job, we do need to have a lot of medical knowledge. So it is helpful to have somebody who's at least a nurse, but like a doctor is even more ideal in terms of like understanding the really complex like physiology behind some of the stuff that we have to understand. Um, nurses are great too for understanding physiology, but, but yeah, having medical providers is really good. And clinical research epi is kind of different, um, but I categorized it in the same in the same area. So clinical research is the type of research where there's, it's like an experimental trial. And so there's usually a drug or multiple drugs or pharmaceutical products, and you will test it against either a placebo or the standard of care, which is the drug that's already on the market for that specific thing. 
Um, so for example, uh, clinical research would be like the Pfizer vaccine versus a placebo. So the clinical research that was done with Pfizer that went on over a year or so in 2020 before the vaccines were uh, got authorization from the FDA, those are, that's clinical research. And clinical research organizations or CROs, they hire people in a variety of educational paths. So they can hire people with a who are in undergrad, they can hire people that are just graduated undergrad, and then people with masters or PhDs. And then they also hire like health providers like nurses and doctors as well, because it, it really takes a big team to be able to conduct experimental trials, make sure they're ethical, make sure, I mean, they have legal teams, they need to make sure everything's like completely legal. And uh, there's a lot that goes into, because they're human experiments. I mean, that's what it is. So it, it takes a lot um, to make sure it's all ethical and safe. And so, yeah, they definitely hire epidemiologists. Um, I think epidemiologist Kat told me that that was her first job out of um, her master's degree was doing clinical research um, before she was getting her PhD or while she was getting it. So definitely consider that area. The pay kind of depends on where you live and where you're working. I've seen clinical research pay be very low at like 40K with a master's, 45K. And then I've also seen it be pretty high, like 80K. So it can vary a lot. Um, so yeah, definitely look into clinical research epi. Okay, so again, those are the specialties. There's a lot more and there's a lot of overlap between them. And it's kind of subjective where one area, one thing would fall because some things would fall. Like if you do outbreak investigation, that could fall under both field epi and infectious disease epi. So yeah, and again, you don't have to just pick a specialty. These are just ideas to kind of get your brain juices flowing and try to understand what there is out there. Again, I do want to interview as many people as I can for this podcast. I want this podcast to be the best resource for students and for people interested in going into epi to be able to understand what kind of options there are out there, what it's really like to be an epidemiologist, and all of that. So thank you all for listening to EpiCentral again, and I hope everybody has a great week. Bye!